Welcome to this week's episode of Multiplane Tales. I, JC, will be narrating this tale called Never Too Late. Oh, and apologies for the messed up voice. I've been a little sick. And if you want your tale told, you can send it to multiplanetales at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. Hyacinth has been tempted to leave a couple of times. His life was average, but comfortable. That morning, he woke up to the sound of the rain landing on the roof. He moved slowly from his bed to not wake his partner. She hasn't been sleeping that well as of late, so he was always cautious when he could hear her snore. He tiptoed out of the room, making less noise than a mouse. Hyacinth grabbed his jacket from the closet and slipped on his sandals. He peeked his head in the room once more to check on his darling. Hearing her gentle snore, he made his way to the door. He picked his hat up on the way. He stepped outside. The sound of the rain always brought him a feeling of peace. He loved being in it. Hyacinth picked up his hiking stick, which he leaves at the door after every hike. He prepped himself and embarked on his hike. Out of the few luxuries he got to experience since his transfer to Hollow Crypt was the scenery. The name doesn't do it justice, but Hollow Crypt is a land of renewal. The landscapes bring a sense of adventure and mysticism. It is beautiful, with green hills, fields of flowers sprouting wherever there was space, or the serene white majesty that it presents in the winter. Hyacinth preferred the time of year when the colors of the land would shift with the coolness of the weather, where every year trees would form magnificent designs when their leaves changed colors, followed by the smell of fresh rain in the morning. He hated it. All of it. At least, at first, the memory of his first biggest regret flooded his mind. Before he could drown in the sea of memory, he put one foot in front of the other and got marching. He walked down the trail he'd made from years of walking. It was a rocky descent on the side. It led to the mouth of the river. On it, slightly hidden from a passing gaze, were rocks that led to the other side of the river. Hyacinth crossed it. Off to the right of the river was a trail that he had also created that led above it. He stood over it, looking over the valley, his domain spreading as far as his eye could see. He stood there for a few minutes before moving under a giant tree. He waved his hand at the tree and muttered a few words. A leaf bigger than he was sprang out from the tree right over his head. It blocked the rain while getting dry enough to partake in his almost daily tradition. Hyacinth reached into a small satchel and pulled out a pipe. Luckily, no water got in the bag. He pulled out a firebolt stick to test the pipe. With one quick motion, the pipe was cleared and ready for use. He reached deeper into the satchel. Hyacinth yanked a small pouch wrapped in many layers of cloth. He unclothed the pea sweet and took a sniff. He picked up a small nug. Piece by piece, he broke it down to powder. He swept the powder into his pipe. He broke off another firebolt stick. One more fluid motion, and the powder was lit. Hyacinth inhaled deeply. He could feel his mind being caressed by the hands of creation, his understanding exceeding beyond him. With exhaling, his attention was drawn to three objects on the branch of a tree. It took some time, but he focused on them. Two tiny baby crows sitting in their nest, chirping with energy. The mother crow was in the branch above them, dangling a worm. She flew down in the nest, and with her beak, she split the worm in two. Each of the babies got half. One gulp was all it took. The babies approached their mom, calling for more. The one that reached her first was immediately picked up by the neck. Mama crow took the baby in her mouth and tossed it over the side of the nest. She hopped to the edge. She watched as the tiny crow struggled to fly. It flapped its wings with all the might it could muster. The best it got was a dramatic glide to the ground. It crashed and landed in some layers of moss. Mama Crow got the other baby and did the same thing. Sure enough, the crow plummeted to the ground, 
less graceful than its sibling. Hyacinth watched them struggle to fly. At some point, they started trying to help each other. Their camaraderie sent him down memory lane. He was reminded of his twin sister, which means thinking of his family, which leads to his first regret. His high brought him back to when he was a kid playing in the fields with his sister. They were best friends. Since they were children of a duchess, no other children were allowed to get close to them. The twins did everything together. They trained, they learned, and they pranked one another. That is, until they reached their early teen years. Though they were twins, Hyacinth was born second. Hydrangea was the firstborn, and therefore the rightful heir to the throne. The professors would start spending extra time with her. She got to start attending the council meetings. She was even officially recognized as the royal assistant. At first, it did not annoy Hyacinth, but over time, his best friend no longer had time for him. That is what got to him. He would have too much free time. He would wander around his home looking for things to do. On a rainy day, he found a bow with a few arrows left out by a guard. He took an arrow and knocked the bow. He let loose. The arrow cut through the air, lodging itself above the bullseye. Nice shot, he heard from behind him. He turned to see Dandy, leader of the Arrows of Cornell squad. Pretty good for a first-timer. That was all it took. For the next few years, when Hydrangea was in Duchess training, Hyacinth would be practicing archery with Dandy. The House of Cornell was not a very powerful one in this realm. They had a little sphere of influence that is often threatened from the other vassals of their liege. Their military was weak in comparison to those around them, but their play in politics was better than the rest. That is what kept them afloat. As Hyacinth grew older, he would come to realize that he might need to play his part. That came when he was 20. The years of mentorship from Dandy had made Hyacinth a pretty decent shot. When he reached adulthood, he had chosen to join the Arrows of Cornell as Dandy's right hand, a life that would guarantee adventure and voyages to new lands under the banner of Cornell. His mother had accepted his request, and plans were set into motion. The night before his initiation, there was a knock at his door. Lord Hyacinth, the Duchess requests an audience with you. He opened the door to see his mom standing beside her guards. She gestured for them to stay on guard and went inside the room. My son, I, no, Cornal, need your help. Okay, Hyacinth said. Mother, what are you talking about? Fucking Jarl Galforth. He set on attacking us for his claim on Beesrock. I've exhausted all my resources to prevent this carnage. But he is coming. What can we do? The only way to survive is within alliance. I am ready to send word to Duke Cyrene for you to marry his fourth daughter. I don't want to marry, Hyacinth interjected. He can provide us with the men we need to survive. You would have to abandon the archery thing to move to their land in Meadow Valley a small little place called Hollow Crypt. It is up to you, but we depend on this. And there's no other way? He asked. No, son, and I'm sorry to ask this of you. Sure, mother. I'll do it for Cornal. Perfect. I knew you would not disappoint Cornal. The arrangements have already been sent. You leave tomorrow to start your new life with your new family. She stood up, kissed him on the forehead, and left the room. That night, he didn't sleep. Just like that, his chance to find purpose was gone. His dreams of building a name for himself were shattered. Early the following morning, there was a carriage there to take him to Hollow Crypt. His mother had his stuff packed overnight. He hugged his sister and nodded at his mom. He got in the carriage and took off. 
Not too far into his trip, he passed an army that carried the banner of Duke Shaim. His jarldom was a minimum of a five-day journey. It dawned on him that this alliance would have needed to be arranged weeks in advance to have their men already there. He felt played. He didn't think he had a choice in the matter. He questioned whether or not his sister also knew about this lie. That was the first time he felt betrayed. The rawness of the emotion knocked him out of his flashback. He was dry under that leaf with his pipe. The rain had stopped and the sun was high in the sky. Panicked, his wife would begin to worry. He tucked his pipe back in his pouch and find his way down the trail. The emotions now flooding back to him like it just happened. His eyes were bloodshot by the time he made it back to his home. He sat on the porch and began to take off his shoes. He heard a loud scuffle make its way to the door. Georgina stood above him with her arms crossed. Nice of you to come back when the kids are coming in in a few hours. Sorry, honey. I lost track of time. Georgina, the woman he had come to love, angrily went back into the house. He loved her more now than he thinks he ever had. Their kids, grandkids, and in-laws were Hyacinth carrying out his duty. His duty to an old family he had grown to hate. His duty to a mother and a sister who he hasn't spoken to for decades. They had tried communicating at first. Spells were used during his journey to his new home, but once he arrived, he felt the wild magic there would make spells unpredictable. His mom then moved to messenger pigeons. Hyacinth kept that up for a month before stopping altogether. In his last letter to her, he explained the betrayal he felt from them. He expressed his frustration on not being let into the family plans until he was required to sacrifice his life and dreams for a family that did not trust him back. At first, Letter after letter from them was sent in rapid succession apologizing, but he never responded. They soon fell to notable holidays before stopping altogether. At first, it was that hate that kept him from embracing his new life. The thought of him being a pawn in somebody else's game left him not able to fully connect with his wife or kids. His introduction to Peaceweed in his 50s did help him work out some of that pain, but it lingered. His yearning for freedom, though, grew. He wanted to be free. He was an owlbear caged by the iron of his family's politics. Even now, in his senior years, he felt tethered to them. They had done well. From what he had heard, House Cornell is stronger than they have ever been, both militaristically and politically. Hydrangea was fulfilling her duties expertly. It was just at his expense. You can start helping any time now, Georgina yelled. That brought him back from entering another stoop of depressing memories. His kids and grandkids were coming to visit and he had a list of tasks to complete before they arrive, lest he feels Georgina's wrath. Three hours later, there was a knock at their door. They could hear their huge family bustling outside. Hyacinth wiped himself off from dusting and headed towards the door. He opened it to see his new family outside waiting for him. His grandkids were chasing each other while their parents caught up. Dad! They all cheered. There was his eldest, Tedrick, with his wife, Restry, and their two kids, Tedrix and Restina. Following Tedrick was Serana, his first daughter, her husband was not with her, as he was typically away on diplomatic business. Accompanying her was her newborn baby, Niwa. Lastly, his youngest, Nia, and her husband, Orath. And their four kids, Nuwam, Orath IV, Tevin, and Emma. They all clustered inside, excited to see family. Their home was spacious enough for all of them. The family spent the rest of the day playing, reminiscing, and creating new memories. Dinner took place outside over a bonfire. Mead float for the adults while sparkling berry juice for the kids. After dinner, before going to bed, Tedrix came up to Hyacinth. Pappy, I made you this cool necklace with this school stone I found. 
Tedrix handed him a necklace of braided thread. At the end was a small flat rock. One face of the rock had this intricate, psychedelic drawing of a face. The back was blank. There was no crack, nor damage on the rock. Oh, thanks, Ted. Hyacinth took the necklace from Tedrick's hand and put it around his neck. He hugged him. He kissed him on the cheek and turned him around for bed. That night, Hyacinth had some trouble falling asleep. He tossed and turned, but his eyes wouldn't stay shut. When the cricket stopped chirping, his exhaustion beat his insomnia. So much hate. Delicious, juicy hate. Let me feast. Let me eat. Food for power. Hyacinth found himself in a world made of rock. Gravel and boulders were spreading as far as he could see. He looked to the sky. Formed by the clouds of stone was the face of the being in his necklace. It had pits of darkness for eyes. No emotion could be noticed. It focused entirely on Hyacinth. Food for power. His mind was filled once more with memories. Those of his worst days with his mom and sister. Images of him crying at night hurt. Flashbacks of all the time he spent thinking. Why? Food for power. It said again. Hyacinth sighed. No. Food for power. It insisted. No. Hyacinth repeated. I'll do it myself. Hyacinth forced himself to wake up. His judgment from the slight hue of the sky told him it was near daybreak. He had only been asleep not but 30 minutes. He got out of bed. He gently opened his closet. He found a bag. Hyacinth picked up a few shirts and pants and threw them in the bag. He tiptoed around the room. He went to the front of the living room fireplace. In front of it was a false panel that he lifted. Under it was a big cedar box. On it read Property of the Arrows of Cornall. He lifted the lid. Dust flew everywhere. There lay his bow with a quiver of arrows. Under it was his old uniform. He left the uniform, but took the bow and arrows. Having not used in decades, he hoped he would quickly regain his old skill. He went to the kitchen. He packed some fruits into the bag. He found some sheets of paper. He found a pen and wrote, I'll be back. He placed it on the table. Hyacinth grabbed his walking stick and set his course on the now city of Cornall. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Multiplane Tales. If you want to share your story, you can send it to multiplanetales at gmail.com. If you enjoyed this tale, share it with your friends, family, and adventuring party. And if you can, please leave a review to help this reach the entirety of the planes of existence. You can also follow me on Instagram and Twitter for teasers and updates. Again, thanks for listening, and return in a fortnight for the next episode. That's two weeks. Bye!